All right, many of you have written asking how you can know God, how you can be forgiven. And I love that question. Um, I'm going to tell you. I'm going to tell you very plainly. Now, this is not for the atheist. This is not for the person who doesn't believe he's a sinner. This is for those of you who believe in God. You know that you're a sinner. You know that your soul is in jeopardy, and you just want to know God, to love him, and know you've been forgiven. So that's, that's the person I'm speaking to today. Here's a passage of Scripture. Then said they unto him, What shall we do that we might work the works of God? So in Jesus' day, there were people who wanted to know, What can I do? I, I want to know God. I want to do God's work. I want to I be in sync with God. What can I do? Jesus answered and said unto them, This is the work of God. Now, without reading that, what would you think that would be? A lot of people tell you it'd be going to church, it's praying prayers, it's reading the Bible, it's uh, loving your fellow man, it's doing all sorts of different things that you might do, confessing your sins. This is Jesus' answer. What do you do to work the work of God? That you might believe on him whom he hath sent. I've seen thousands and thousands of people come to know the Lord Jesus Christ and be forgiven during my lifetime. I've sat and watched their facial expressions as it dawned on them the truth of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I've watched their lives change over the next 50 years. I've watched them develop and grow as human beings. And what a marvelous difference it, it makes in people. It, it's a miracle. It's a wonderful miracle of the new birth. And each person has their own story about how they felt or, or so forth. But it all boils down to one thing and that is to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. You say, I, I believe, I believe. The, the Ethiopian said to Philip, here's water, what does hinder me to be baptized? And, and uh, Philip said to him, if thou believest with all thine heart, thou mayest. So it's believing with all your heart. Very simple thing to do, but seems so difficult because so many people want to do something want to impress God, want to give up something, want to prepare themselves in some way so that God will accept them. They want to be good. They want to be better. And that's a noble ambition. But uh, I'm going to show you here. What I'm going to do, I'm going to take you back to a PowerPoint. Give you about, It's about uh, 16 minutes from a PowerPoint that I did at the door a couple of years ago. And this is just a little portion of that from Romans chapter 4. So I'm going to take you to that, and then I'll be right back with you. We read in the book of Daniel, Thou weighed in the balances and found wanting. So our sins, the record God keeps of our sins, weighs down the scale. And what will we put in the scale to level it up? How will we pay for our sins? What answer will we give to balance out the scale? Some people say it's my, God weighs our good works against our bad works. I hope not. But your iniquities have separated between you and your God. Your sins have hid his face from you that he will not hear. The only reason you can have confidence that God weighs good works against bad works and you might work, it, work your way in is that you have no idea how sinful you are. You have no idea all the shades of corruption and godlessness and pride that you have in your heart. And if God were to, if you were to get into the words of God and let God's spirit expose you, you'd realize 
that you're looking at a trillion, billion to one odds of you ever being able to do anything to please him, and you won't trust in that. So here's a man that's praying. He says, well, I just pray and ask Jesus in my heart, then I'll go to heaven. That won't balance out the scale. Jesus doesn't come into your heart. When you believe, his spirit comes into you and saves you. And you, he doesn't come in because you ask him. He comes in because you believe. Walking down an aisle and praying a sinner's prayer will not make you go to heaven. It will not make you a Christian. Getting down on your knees beside your bed and saying, Jesus, forgive me my sins, will not make you a Christian. It's when you believe the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ that you get saved. I preached well over 2,000 hours in the prisons. And I never gave an invitation. And lots of people got saved. Now, how did they get saved? I preached the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I stood there and watched one by one, these guys believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and be saved. You can see it in their faces. It gets, it's really fun. <laughs> I mean, you're, you're, you're preaching this kind of stuff, you know, and you see a guy out there, he's miserable. And then he looks, he's totally enthralled, doesn't hear anything else going on anywhere. And then you start giving them what Jesus did, resurrection, forgiveness. And you see the light come on, you see him begin to smile. Then you see them start squirming in their seat and you know they're fixing to jump up and run. Are they going to shout? Are they going to do something? Now, at that point, I'd said, if, if you want to be saved, put your hand up. They'd have done this. If I'd have said, if you want to be saved, come forward. They'd have run forward. But now, why wouldn't you do that? Because I don't want them to go away thinking they got saved because they put their hand up. Or they got saved because they came forward or because they prayed a sinner's prayer. I want them to go away believing they got saved because Jesus gave them salvation by faith and faith alone. And so I don't tell them they're saved that day and I don't make any motion of it. I wait and I watch them change. And if they don't change, then I know they didn't get saved. But they'll change if they got saved. And I've seen it happen hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of times. I've been on the street preaching when I was younger. Don't do that anymore. I've been on street preaching and I've seen people walk by and start listening and get saved. Sometimes they, they start weeping. Some tough old guy or prostitute just start weeping. And uh, you just watch the Lord Jesus Christ come into their heart and soul. And I followed them up and seen them days later, weeks later, and years later, and a whole lifetime later, walking in the faith because in a moment's time they believe that gospel of Jesus. So some people, they say, well, if I read the Bible, God will save me. It won't balance out your sins. Or if I go to church, join the church of your choice. Or better yet, better yet join the church of Christ because it's the only church, right? So if you join the church of Christ, if you hear, believe, repent, hear, believe, repent, confess, be baptized, and maintain good works, oh, and join the church of Christ, then you'll go to heaven. Seven steps. Nope. Church won't get you in either. There is no church that's going to go to heaven. No building, no bylaws, no constitution, no eldership. None of that's going to take you in. You go in one at a time, and you get in by faith and faith alone. So somebody said, well, I'll give my money. If I give a lot of money, then God will be pleased with that. Won't balance the scale. Oh, well, if I get baptized in water, then God will take away my sin. Nope. You can baptize a baby. You can baptize a sinner. I remember one time a guy came out of a bar where we were, had a ministry uh, between two bars and across the street from the bar. It was actually his nightclub. 
uh, on one side and a bar and a liquor store. And so this guy comes out and he's drunk and a couple of other guys tried to witness to him. He said, oh, I'm already a Christian. Mike, he baptized me twice already. And I had, you know, I'd baptized him twice when he was 16 years old and 18 years old or something. And they said, well, I don't think you got saved. So he came in, sat down, and he heard the gospel, and he professed a faith in Christ. And for the next uh, 20 years, I saw him walk in the faith and walk obedient to the Lord and, and live a righteous and a godly life. So baptism didn't save him. Uh, even, <laughs> even my baptism did not save him. And even baptized in the right church didn't save him. He had to believe. All right, somebody said, well, I'll keep the commandments. That'll balance out the scale. Or I'll dress modestly. I'll be a homeschooler and I'll dress real modestly and I'll wear modest shoes and I'll make my hair look plain and I won't wear any makeup and I'll just look really drab and God will see that I'm like that. And surely if you do that and you raise your kids that way, then they're all going to go to heaven because they're such good kids, right? No, that won't get you to heaven either. You need to dress modestly, but it won't earn you anything with God. Muslims are a lot more modest than you are. And then there is one thing that will balance the scale, and that's Jesus Christ. When he comes and steps in it, he outweighs all the sin, and he will balance the scale between you and God. And the blood of Jesus Christ, God's Son, cleanses us from all sin. The blood will cover that sin, and the righteousness of God will come upon you, and you'll be declared to be his righteousness. For he hath made him to be sin for us, him who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. When I was about 21, 22 years old, I was radical, still am, I guess, but you could see it more then. And I made, I, I, I bought about a thousand t-shirts, and I went out and got some silkscreen material, and I went to a silkscreen shop, learned how to make it. And I made a table with a vacuum table, and I got the squeegees, and I got the ink and everything, and I, I cut out a T-shirt that said, I am the righteousness of God. And so I printed, you know, a thousand T-shirts, and I tried to sell them and ended up giving them most of them away. But I had a, so many of them left over that for the next 15 years, that's the only kind of T-shirt I had till I wore the last one out. And if you look at some old pictures of our family, most every one of them, I got that T-shirt on. You know, I'm the righteous of God. <clears throat> and uh, I remember being in a grocery store, and a woman in front of me checking out turns around and looks at that shirt I've got on and said, disgusting, how can you say that? And I said, ma'am, this is not an earned degree. This is something bestowed upon me as a gift. Lord Jesus Christ calls me righteous because G I, I can't, that's, you that's blasphemy. And I tried to explain to her, but she wouldn't accept the explanation. And I got that kind of response quite often out in public from religious people who'd never read that verse of Scripture, that God made us to be the righteousness of God, that I am now the righteousness of God. So how can you claim to be that? Because God says I am. He, remember, he crucified me. He buried me, we'll find in chapter 5. He raised me again. He, he is seated me on the right hand, I am ascended and I am adopted into God's family. All of that God says is true. To wit, that God was in Christ, reconciling the world unto himself, 
not imputing their trespasses unto them. If you have sins, if you're laden with guilt and shame, there's no need for that sin to be imputed to you. God will impute his righteousness in its place. All you need to do is believe on the Lord Jesus Christ with all your heart. So here's a file cabinet. It's got my, my file, my record, and God the bookkeeper keeps it. And I'm a failed sinner. I'm rejected. I'm a lawbreaker. I'm dead in trespasses and sins. It's been ruled that I should be discarded, not my file, me. Now, every single wicked thing and godless thing and indifferent thing and cold and prideful thing I've done is in my record. And it cannot be deleted. God keeps it. The angels keep it. It's preserved. That record will be opened in the day of judgment unless... Jesus Christ, the perfect one, the sinless one, for 33 and a half years obeyed the law. Perfect righteousness, that's his file. So God, after Jesus lived a perfect life, when it came time for the end of Christ's life, God took my sin and he placed it in Jesus' file cabinet. And now Jesus is viewed as sin. In effect, God imputed my sin to Jesus. So he died as if he were the sinner. So that I could live as if I were the righteous one. He took my place in sin and in hell. So I can take his place in righteousness and in heaven. He became what I am so I can become what he is. He became a son of man so I could become a son of God. So here is the perfect righteousness of Jesus Christ now. And when I believe, it's imputed to my account. So now placed in my file is the righteousness of God. For he hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Folks, that's the gospel. That's the gospel that saves. There is no other gospel of salvation. This gospel is not only found in Romans. You see it there in Corinthians. It's in Galatians. It's in Ephesians. It's in Colossians. It's in Timothy. It's in Titus. It's in 1 John, it is throughout the word of God. It's in the book of Revelation. They overcame him by the blood of the lamb. So God's record of me now reads paid in full. I no longer have a deficit. God has reckoned the righteousness of Christ to me. He has counted it as my faith, as if it were righteousness. So now, here are the two files, yours and Jesus. How are you going to meet God with your failed, sinner, rejected file or with the righteousness of Christ? That's the way I'm going to meet Jesus. My sin has been placed in the depth of the sea. 
It's remembered no more. It's behind his back. It's as far as the east is from the west. So that file is now my file. And now I rejoice that my sin has been washed away by the blood of the Lamb. All right, that, uh, that's the best I could explain what the Lord Jesus Christ did for you. I gave you two different illustrations of it. Here's what uh, the scriptures go on to say. Even as David also describeth the blessedness of the man unto whom God imputeth righteousness without works. So are you ready to have God's righteousness imputed to you? Uh, it is a simple step saying, blessed are they whose iniquities are forgiven. Do you have iniquities? Every single one of them can be forgiven and whose sins are covered. I don't care how dark, dirty, filthy, shameful your sins are. The Lord Jesus Christ, through his death and the shedding of his blood, will cover your sins. Blessed is the man to whom the Lord will not impute sin. So God will, like a judge, you're found guilty, you should be sentenced to death, and suddenly the judge imputes your guilt to someone else, to his own son. And his own son dies in your place, goes to prison in your place, takes your place, and all of your sins and crimes are charged to that one man, and you go free. No sin is imputed to you. That's what the Lord Jesus Christ is, is willing to do right now for you, is to impute all your sins to himself and impute his righteousness to you. So God will then view you as if you are as righteous as Jesus Christ. Believe with all your heart on the Lord Jesus Christ and what he did for you. He'll put his spirit in you, and you will have a transformation take place in your spirit. Good day. Good day.